I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 229 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today we will be hitting on a very serious topic of drinking and driving. Today's guest knows all too well about the devastating consequences of it. His 15-month-old son, Liam, was struck and killed by a drunk driver. Marcus Koval is a former MMA fighter who is now on a mission to change the drinking and driving laws across the country. He will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And now, while I believe that Uber and Lyft have made a huge impact on the amount of drinking and driving on the road, it still remains a major problem in this country. And I am a recovering alcoholic. I have been guilty of this myself numerous times, so I'm not going to sit here and pass judgment on the people who do it. Uh, But at the same time, I believe there are major changes that we as a society can make to cut down on this senseless loss of life. Uh, We always hear the cries, especially from Hollywood, about gun control and and guns being a problem. Uh, But where is the big outcry about drinking and driving? Because I never see it trending on Twitter, despite the fact that almost 30 people a day are killed in a drinking and driving related accident in the United States, according to the Transportation Authority. And while guns killed 14,000 people in the United States last year, alcohol related fatalities were well over 88,000, according to the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. But we know there is big, big money in the alcohol industry. And in my opinion, alcohol should be treated the same way as cigarettes have been here, as far as they should not be allowed to advertise on TV or in magazines. It's almost impossible to watch a movie from 50 years ago and not see the majority of the characters smoking. But today, smoking is rare in most TV shows and movies. And I think that should be the same with alcohol. And one thing I believe should be a law across the country is that if you have an establishment that serves alcohol, you should not be allowed to have a parking lot. It should be rideshare bus, train, transportation only. Uh, Now, I don't want to come off as a prohibitionist here, but I do have a hatred of alcohol because it has destroyed so much of my family and my own personal life. And the dad that I'm about to bring on here has suffered a loss that I wouldn't wish upon my greatest enemy. I know that this is a difficult topic for many of you guys out there. The death of a child is a place that, as parents, we never let our minds wander to. But it is a reality for Marcus Koval. So let's get into it, dads. And please, remember to share this podcast with every father that's in your neighborhood or in your contact list. And let them know about the show that is celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. So let's jump into the action right now with former MMA fighter Marcus Koval. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. You are going to hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to consider becoming a sponsor of First Class Fatherhood, please hit me up with an email, firstclassfatherhood at gmail.com. All right, and joining me now is a first class father. He is a former professional boxer, kickboxer, and mixed martial artist. He is from Gothenburg, Sweden. He is the founder of Liam's Life, which is on a mission to end alcohol-related driving fatalities. It is an honor for me to say, Marcus Koval, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, sir. All right, let's do this. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Well, I have three children, two that are alive. Um, My oldest and firstborn, Liam, was killed by a drunk driver two and a half years ago. And... uh, 
That's why we opened the nonprofit Liam's Life Foundation to end drunk driving so that other parents won't have to go through what we've been through. But uh, they are alive. They have Liam's little brother, Nico, who's 22 months old, and uh, Luna, Liam's little sister, who just turned three months a couple of days ago. Wow, okay, that's awesome. And I am very sorry to hear about the loss of your son, Liam. Thank you. Uh, did you guys do any type of gender reveal to find out what you were having, or did you guys wait until the end with all of them to find out? Um, we knew with all three. We did a, a gender reveal with the last one, with Luna, uh, just a little bit more so as, as a fun thing uh, on social media. But we didn't actually do like a proper gender reveal with, with the other two. We, uh, when we found out, we, we let people know. Okay, very cool. All right, Marcus, if you could here, just please take a minute to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. So uh, I'm originally um, from Sweden. I lived in England for many years. I, uh, uh, you know, been in the United States for some 15 years. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a professional fighter, MMA fighter. Just ended my career today, one year ago, actually. And uh, because I own four gyms in Los Angeles, I wrote a book in my son's honor, and uh, we have the nonprofit. So uh, between all of it, it was time to to call it a day as far as fighting professionally myself and focus on my, my next generation of fighters and uh, changing the, the, the social attitude around drunk driving in the United States. Yeah, and it is a very important mission. I'm going to hit on that more in just a minute here, but how did the experience of becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? That's a really good question. You know, the biggest thing I would say is I was never, I was never afraid of, of dying. You know, I, I didn't want to die. I enjoyed life, but I wasn't afraid of it because, uh, you know, life is what it is. But once I had a son, you know, your whole life perspective changes. You know, one, that how vulnerable life is. And, you know, I wanted to be there every moment, every second of, of his life. You know, I, I, I mentioned what I do uh, as far as being a professional fighter, entrepreneur, all those things, but I'm a father first and foremost. And to be there for my son was, was and, and now my daughter's, a daughter as well, uh, meant everything. So, you know, I would say not just some of your life values, all of your life values change. You know, I'd rather be at home with my children on the weekend than going to a nightclub or going out and being away and, um, and just realizing what truly what life is about, you know. It's about family. It's about your social relationships and, 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 and making this world as good of a place as we possibly can in order to, to make sure that our next generation, our next of kin are able to, to enjoy life the way we've been able to. Yeah, very well said, Marcus. And relating to your story here about Liam, I am a recovering alcoholic myself. I believe that alcohol in general is a major problem that's facing our society here. Just the way that it's promoted and shown as a celebration, especially in the commercials, I think it should be treated the way cigarettes have been treated here as far as advertising goes. And I do drive Uber and Lyft on the weekends, and I don't have any numbers here to prove this, but I'm curious if you've looked into it and have seen any of the statistics on it. But, I mean, do you know if the ride shares between Uber and Lyft has made an impact on the number of drinking and driving related incidents on the road that's a um that's a good question and i'm not sure actually if it's if there's statistics on that but i'm sure i'm sure it must have had because in my opinion you never had a reason to drink and drive you never had an excuse but now you certainly don't if you can afford a drink at a bar you can afford an uber or lift home and by the way congratulations to being sober how long have you been sober for 
Yeah, I'm a little over a year now, Marcus. Uh, I had a bit more than three years of sobriety before I fell off the wagon. I had some problems there again, but I mean, I'm, I'm sober now and I've been so for about a year and a month now. Congratulations, man. That's great. And, you know, I just from, I, 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 I'm a self-defense martial art instructor, you know, I work a lot with law enforcement. I know what alcohol does, you know. There's a reason why there's more fights at a nightclub at 2 a.m. than it is at 10 p.m., right? There's almost always alcohol involved when it comes to domestic violence, sexual attacks, all these things. So uh, I'm not naive to what alcohol does, but at the same time, in a free country, um, I, 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 you know, if, if someone decides to drink themselves to death, that's really, really sad. But unfortunately, um, or should I say, people should have the right to do what they want, as sad as it is for their family and their friends. Uh, we can't stop that. However, when, when people that weren't part of that decision-making become the victims, which is usually the case when it comes to drunk driving, then it's no longer your decision to make. And, you, you know, you mentioned when it comes to being an alcoholic, lowering the blood alcohol content, for example, which is something that we're working towards, um, won't stop. For example, someone that really wants to, or a lot of times, people that that are alcoholics, they they they, they don't care what the legal drunk uh, drinking limit is. They they will drive anyways. But um, that's that's because they have, they have it's a disease, right? And um, I, I I we can't stop everyone, but I believe by lowering the blood alcohol content, you have a general deterrent, and that's worked in over 100 countries. They've already lowered it. But also telling that story, right? Um, I'm out speaking. This spring alone, I've spoken to seven, over 7,000 high school kids. And it's about changing that social attitude because a lot of times people look, they don't look to drunk driving as a crime. They look at it as, you know, just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get home somehow. And I, I, I've even had people dumb enough to say, I drive better when I've been drinking, um, which clearly isn't the case. That's not my opinion. That's science. Um, so it's, it, it, it's a lot. We're trying to burn the candle from both ends, I guess, by by both changing that social attitude towards drunk driving and lowering the blood alcohol content as well. But the ultimate solution is self-driving cars. But back to your question regarding Uber and Lyft, I I don't personally know the statistics on that, but I'm sure it has because now, and, and you know, and it, it will benefit the the nightclubs and the restaurants as well because if people are not driving. They tend to be willing to stay out longer and drink more, which is obviously what they want, the, the nightclubs and, and the alcohol industry. Yeah, that's a great point, Marcus. And I love the fact that you are out there talking to the high school kids because I think that's where the real change in this mindset of drinking and driving is going to occur. I think the worst thing that ever happens to a drunk driver is that he makes it home safe that first time because I know from my own experience here, it gives you that mindset of, hey, I did it once, I can do it again, and that just keeps on repeating. And that's why I think it's so important to get a hold of the kids here before they they drink and drive and they think that it's okay to do so. And just as you said there, it's so cheap now to take an Uber, and and it's really geared towards this younger, tech-savvy generation. And I can't tell you, Marcus, how refreshing it is to see so many young people choosing uh, Uber and Lyft to get home safe. That's very, very true. And, uh, and, and you're right. You know, I, I, I train law enforcement. I do the force training for them, the force, uh, defensive tactics. And uh, I, I always talk to them because they get very turned, uh, turned off by, by doing DUIs as well. Because a lot of times it goes to court and they hire a DUI lawyer. They make sure it gets thrown out, they get a slap on the wrist, and it's a lot of paperwork for, for law enforcement officers. But I always tell them that. I said, that one arrest, that first arrest, 
a lot of times it's so important to make sure that people understand this isn't okay so that they won't do it again. Because on average, people drive drunk 80 times before they're arrested. 80 And again, you know, there's opposition to what we're doing, which is insane because, you know, regarding what, what the topic is, but in this case, you know, this is something that's so clear-cut, right? It's been done in more than 100 countries. In every single one of those 100 countries, statistics show lowering the blood alcohol content will lower the amount of fatalities. But there's an opposition that are saying, you know, oh, trying to, to portray us as a neo-prohibition uh, organization that's saying people can't drink. And that's not what we're saying, you know. We're just saying don't get behind the wheel if you have been drinking. The two don't go. The don't. The two don't go together. And um, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's such it's such an easy thing to avoid. And uh, because again, drunk driving often isn't looked upon as a crime because you get doctors to do. You get you get you get lawyers. You get judges. You even got law enforcement officers that have driven drunk. And and that's what got it changed because a lot of people don't even understand what point zero eight BAC actually means. Uh, the 0.08 blood alcohol content for an average male of 170 pounds is four to five drinks on an empty stomach within an hour. At 0.08, you're not slightly impaired. At 0.08, you're drunk. Yeah, it's important to have the facts here. And I'll tell you what, Marcus, what you said there is important too. Like you said, uh, you know, being looked at as a prohibitionist. I have faced that in my life because as I got sober, I started to lose friends. Guys started to drop out of my life. And that does become an issue because you're looked at differently once you stop drinking. Uh, they automatically assume now you're judging them. Uh, and now, of course, there are people who can drink responsibly who would never drink and drive. So I'm not against anybody's a good time here either. But uh, I think that this illusion of alcohol needs to change. I mean, I can't even sit and watch a ball game with my kids without seeing a commercial uh, with beer or alcohol and people celebrating and glamorizing this stuff and not showing the real effects that are left in the wake of alcohol and just how many lives it ruins. Exactly. And, 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 and you know, it's, um, I, I've even reached out to, to big alcohol companies and said, hey, we're not trying to, we're not, I'm not naive enough to not, to, don't think, to not think that alcohol doesn't cause any damage outside of drunk driving. Of course it does, but uh, all of them say the same thing. Drink responsibly. So if, if that's truly what you feel, then stand behind our message. Stand behind drinking responsibly. Stand behind not getting behind the wheel when they've been doing it. But so far, we haven't had luck with any of the major uh, alcohol uh, producers and I, I really hope that we, we can get one of them on board to work with our nonprofit to, to show that they truly mean what, what they say. Let's see if that happens. Yeah, that would be awesome. And speaking about getting a slap on the wrist here, what were the charges or penalties against the drunk driver who killed your son, Liam? All right, it's time to get an important word from our sponsors and then back with more with Marcus Colville. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Are you enjoying First Class Fatherhood? Did you know you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? It may sound insane, but it's true. There is a free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Seriously, just go download the free PodCoin app on your iPhone or Android, and if you use my special code, Fatherhood, you will get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. The more you listen, the more PodCoin you earn. And then you turn those PodCoins into gift cards for places like Amazon, Starbucks, or more. 
So go ahead and listen to this podcast on PodCoin and sign up using the code FATHERHOOD. It will change the way you listen to podcasts. Let's go, dads. Summertime is upon us here, and there is no better way to spend time with your kids this summer than to take them to a live event, whether that's out at the ball field, at a monster truck rally, or even a Broadway show. Buy your tickets on SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and apply my code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and First Class Fatherhood listeners are going to save $20 off their ticket purchase. Get over to SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and buy all your tickets for this summer's fun. Maybe you want to take them to their first concert. Go to SeatGeek.com and apply my code FIRSTCLASS, one word, FIRSTCLASS, and save $20 off your ticket purchase. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. Yeah, that would be awesome. And speaking about getting a slap on the wrist here, what were the charges or penalties against the drunk driver who killed your son, Liam? It was a woman. She was 72 years old. She drove drunk at 3.30 in the afternoon. And um, it was a hit and run. She stopped for 15, 20 seconds, witness said, and obviously must have realized what she had done and see both my sister-in-law, who was 15 at the time, and Liam lying unconscious on, on the road. Um, during the manslaughter case that took about a year that we went through, not once did she show remorse, not once did she apologize for what she did, and she got six years in jail, which would have been fine had we not received a letter as late as last week saying she's getting out this August. Um on good behavior. That's 33% of the time, uh, 30, 30% of the t- time that she was supposed to do. A third, sorry, 33% actually, yes, 33% of, of the time that she was supposed to spend in jail. For manslaughter, she took a 15-month child's life. She didn't show remorse, and she's going to get let out after two years. That's, that's insanity to me. Yeah, wow, that is sad to hear. And, and Marcus, what helped you in the beginning stages of this tragedy? How did you get through it? And, and maybe what kind of advice could you offer other dads or just parents in general out there who maybe have recently lost a child? You know, that's, why the, that's the reason why I decided to, to, to write the book because I, re, I started writing. I wrote 90,000 words in three months because I needed to find an outlet. I needed to find a way of, because it feels like you're going crazy. You know, any fathers, any parents out there, you know, it's it's that on the thought you can't even go there, right? You can't just the thought of it. You know, your 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 brain almost blocks it from from trying to understand what it feels like, and it's it's something I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. You know, it's a pain that no human should have to experience. So, um, after it happened, I met a lot of fathers, and a lot of them, that years down the line, were still very angry and still very bitter, and I wanted to help them. Because it's been two and a half years, and even though I live with a scar on my heart that will never go away, uh, I can truly say I lead a happy life again. And, um, you know, a lot of times parents, especially fathers, turn to drugs and alcohol, and it's not something that I condone, but I can understand it. Because you become so desperate to try to find a way to, to numb that pain. And what I would say, you know, pain and grief is very subjective. There's certain things that are universal. You have to find an outlet. You have to find a way to, even if it's just for an hour, it's not going to solve it. It's not going to stop the pain from happening. But at least it's an hour of you maybe thinking about it for a little bit less. And 
you know, it's a little corny and a little cliche, but time heals all wounds, and you will definitely improve with time and learn to recognize when, you know, when it's getting worse, like for, for Liam's birthday that just happened a couple of weeks ago and uh, Christmas, those type of things are always difficult. Um, but uh, that's why I wrote the book, so that people, because it's not something that you learn in school, right? You do not learn how to deal with grief. You don't learn, what do you say to a father? What do you say to a friend who's lost a child? How can you be there for someone? And, and one of the best things I've read was, you know, because people ask me all the time or told me, I don't know what to tell you. And that's understandable. I, what is there to say? There's nothing that can be said. And the saying that I read was, what you can do for me, can you give me my son back? If you can't, just walk with me while I face my demons until I can see color again. And that's very, very true. That, you know, that you can't do much, but you can be there for a friend. And don't say, don't say, call me if you need anything, because... You become, you don't even care about food. You don't care about taking care of your personal hygiene. You, you become like a zombie. So as a good friend, if you truly want to be there, go over to the house, bring food. Say, eat that food while I watch you eat it. Let's go for a walk. Let me take you for a walk. Just do something. Just be there. That means more than, than people understand. And maybe they don't thank you right there and then because they're so caught up in their own head. But... That's the best thing that you can do. And, and as the parent that loses a child, try to find other parents that have gone through it that come out on the other side and, and, and are happy. And those parents, those dads helped me get through it. And, and I do believe that the book that I wrote, Life is a Moment, which spells out Liam, can help a lot of people both on how to deal and, and also how to be a good friend and, and be there for someone that, that has lost someone. Yeah, that's some great advice right there. And I'm going to include a link in the description of today's podcast episode to the book so my listeners can just tap the link and get over there and grab a copy. And I have four children myself, and it goes without saying that what you have gone through here is just every parent's worst nightmare. But I think as a result of this, the amount of lives that you are impacting, the difference you are making, you know, is ultimately going to save so many lives out there. So uh, what has been the response to your organization, Liam's Life, and, and what are your plans for the future of it? You know, it's it's overwhelmingly, for anyone that understands, you know, uh, I I was just in New York two weeks ago where the bill to lower the blood alcohol content was introduced. Uh, It was introduced this year in California and is known as Liam's Law in California. And now it was introduced in New York as well. And the senator that introduced it said it the best. He said, I support this bill because I have a brain. Right, and, and I couldn't say it better. It's, it's not my opinion. It's science. We know what type of impairment each level of 0.01 BAC does, right? So, and again, there's very few bills that get introduced that, can, that come with so much science behind it. We know what happens, and we can see the statistics on, on those more than 100 countries that lowered it. So for most people... It's been overwhelmingly supportive and people saying, you know, of course we should lower it like the rest of the world has. But then you get some people saying lowering it isn't going to, I've had, unfortunately, social media is great. It brings out the best and the worst in people. So uh, for the opposition that we have, which clearly represents special interest groups, they are saying drunk driving isn't a problem. Texting and driving is the problem or uh, opioid, opioids and, and, and driving is the problem. Those are problems as well. 
and combined with drinking, of course, they're not good. But pointing the finger at a different problem doesn't solve the problem at hand. Drunk driving still kills more people on the roads in this country than anything else, including children 0 to 14. So, you know, parents that look at what we're trying to do, they say, of course, of course we need this change. Uh, but then you get some people saying, well, you shouldn't have to go to jail because you had a few drinks or you shouldn't have to do this, you shouldn't have to. That's people that either are A, uneducated on the topic or B, very, very selfish or C, I guess, a combination of the two. Neither which one is very good of an answer because we've got to get away from this whole thing where, oh, I get a DUI, that's an inconvenience to me. Um, I, 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 I can't drive for a couple of months or it's going to cost me money for that DUI. It's not about you. You committed a crime. You committed a crime that takes over 10,000 lives a year in this country. Don't look at it from your own perspective. Look at it from the receiving end of innocent people's lives. When 66% of the U.S. population will at some point be affected by drunk driving, with more than 10,000 lives lost a year, that's the equivalent of a jumbo jet crashing every single week because of drunk driving, then of course we need this change. So overall, it's, it's been, you know, and again, when you have, whenever you see an opposition to why we should lower it, you have to remember who the advocates are. Me and my wife are advocating for this so that other parents won't have to go through what we've gone through. The opposition represents big alcohol, you know, restaurant associations and so on. This is a no-brainer. And again, we're not saying not to drink. We're just saying don't get behind the wheel. That's it. So um, I hope a lot of people can get behind this their cause and, and sign that petition that we have on our website. And, um, you know, in my opinion, you know, if you look at big motivational speakers like Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, and so on, they always talk about your why. What's your why? Why are you here? What's your purpose? Why not get behind something that will change history and save lives? And it's so easy to do. Just just go on there and you can find a few ways. It takes literally two minutes to do. Yeah, very well said, Marcus. And I believe that what you are doing is going to change the number of people being killed on the road by drunk drivers. I think with your efforts of lowering the limits of drinking and driving combined with the emergence of rideshare, I think there is really a lot of hope here for the future. I think so too. And especially because as, as a father and as you know, you know these, our opposition, they have a lot of money back in them. But they're fighting for, for profit. In my opinion, you can never put profits over human lives ever. And, and my drive is different. I've been told over and over and over again, you're up against giants, you know, you're never going to win this fight. Yeah, well, they've never been up against someone like me either. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I'm doing this for my son to make sure that my son didn't just become a statistic, but because of my son, there was change. So um, I know this is a fight that we're going to win. I'm not afraid of stepping on toes. You know, I'm not afraid of calling people out. And uh, we have a documentary coming out this year called Letters to Liam. And that really exposes a lot about the dark lobbying and dark money that goes into this on the back end. So uh, I, I appreciate you uh, supporting this and allowing us to, to talk about it on, on, your, on your podcast. Yeah, God bless you, Marcus, and I look forward to seeing the documentary. Last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Oh, man, there's so, so many pieces of advice. First and foremost, again, um, I, I have to say, I, and I've had so many dads reach out to me that, that read the book I, uh, and saying that they look to me as, 
you know, a, a, an inspiration for themselves being a father. And there's nothing I wish more than I than not having to be an inspiration to other people, so that I could have my son here still. Otherwise, people wouldn't know who Liam was or who I was, right? But I can't go back in time. So I I, I, I think by hearing the story, by by reading the book, children are difficult. They go through difficult periods, especially when they're small. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to to control their emotions. And it's going to be difficult times. But every time it gets a little bit difficult, just think of Liam. Just think of, you know, when you go, when you put your son to bed at night, even though they've been, you know, difficult to deal with throughout the day, I would do anything to get to put my son to sleep one more time at night. And I can't. So if for nothing else, do it for Liam and remember that, you know, it, it, it is no bigger blessing, even when it's difficult, even when, you know, you feel like you, you're being a crappy parent. And, and the most important thing is get off phones, get off other things and spend time with your child. Enjoy it. Enjoy every moment of it because children teach us so much, like little things that we forget about, like how, how fun it can be to look at colors and, and playing games, you know, let, let, don't just teach your children, but allow your children to teach you something as well. And remember, you will always be a role model to your child, whether you want to or not. So don't do what you, or do what you tell your children to do, because they won't do what we tell them to do. They will do what we do. Be that role model and, 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 and wear that responsibility with pride. Yeah, very well said. It's an awesome message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Marcus Colville, you are a first-class father, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, Alec. I really appreciate it, sir. All right, I'm back with some closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Marcus Colville for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, and drop me that DM over on Instagram. I always love to read your feedback. I think the message of today's podcast is pretty cut and dry. Do not drink and drive. With the emergence of the ride share here across the country, it is so important to make sure that your kids are getting home safe out there. Link them up to your Uber account or hook their Uber account up to your credit card. It's so simple to make sure your kids can get home safe nowadays. All right, and tomorrow's guest on the show knows a little bit something about Uber. He was an early investor in it. He's a tech dad who got involved right at the time of the dot-com bubble. Kevin Rose joins me here tomorrow, all right? So lock it in for that. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers.